have your Bibles? Awesome. Do you have your notebooks? Wonderful, because we are going to do a lot of writing, a lot of notes that I encourage you to go back and analyze throughout the week, use them again in a prayer time. Uh, some of you, can you see me through the smoke? Is that okay? Is that all right? That's not the Shekinah glory. We created that. Some, some of us, some individuals are like, wow. The, no, this is man-made. It'll go away in just a minute. Awesome. All right. If you don't have a Bible or a notebook, we provide them for you on the side tables in the back. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible free of charge and notebooks. We believe in taking notes. Can we celebrate taking notes? Amen. When you take notes, you retain things better. God speaks to you more. And then you have something to reference later. It actually puts you in a posture, I believe, of learning better, which we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we're going to go to school the next eight weeks. I'm going to take you in to a series on Bible heroes, Bible stories. When I was a kid, these were the heroes that I used to just read about. I would, the Lord would use them in my life. I think I was a weird kid to some people because they had posters of like Michael Jordan, which there's nothing wrong with Michael Jordan. Praise God for that. I was from Chicago. The Bulls were amazing at that time. But my heroes weren't Michael Jordan and they weren't movie stars or rock stars. Mine were Bible characters, which I think is pretty good. I think it's pretty good. But these stories changed my life. These heroes of faith in what I call God's Hall of Fame, they were stories of faith. They were stories of sacrifice, stories of how God would interact with people to get his will accomplished in the earth. And I've heard lots of stories in sermons before. I enjoy hearing stories of people's personal lives and testimonies, but nothing has stuck with me like the stories from the Bible. Those Bible stories continue to speak to me and I believe will continue to speak to you. So a couple reasons I want to do this today is number one, I don't want to take an assumption that everyone here knows all of these old characters anymore. There are people in this church today that I could say the phrase Noah and all you know about Noah and the ark is that that's what you paint your nursery with when your kids are born. It's important you know these stories. These are not just like Sunday school stories. These are someone's testimony, somebody say amen, amen. of God's interaction with real people, real human beings, just like you, just like me. And I'm thankful that so many have come to know Jesus recently in the church, but this culture doesn't teach foundational Bible anymore. And if you don't intentionally take people through some of these stories, they're not going to have that biblical literacy and foundation. So I'm going to take the next eight weeks and we're going to introduce you to some of these key Bible characters. All throughout the Bible, God refers back to these individuals. So many of the things God did in their life, he shows you the principle and he shows you the action of faith later on in scripture. But these stories are the anchor. Say anchor. So God's Hall of Fame. So I don't want to assume everyone knows these stories. So if you're in the room and you've heard these stories a thousand times, how many of you know God can show you something new? If you have childlike heart, childlike faith, please do not turn the switch off thinking, oh, this is just Sunday school class. My friend, this isn't you just hearing about somebody else. The Bible is also talking about you. Whenever we're talking about a Bible story or a testimony, you are inside of that story as well. These stories are not simply about someone who lived a long time ago. These stories are about God. These stories are about people called of God. How many of you are called of God? Raise your hand. Everyone in this room is called of God. Everyone watching on the internet, you are called of God. These stories are about people. They're about us. The Bible tells us in Romans 15, you can write this down, it'll be on your screen. Romans 15, verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Say us. It wasn't to teach you about them. It was to teach you about you. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. Amen? All of these Bible heroes lived a life that impacted others and furthered the plan of God for their lives. I told you in the beginning of the year that one of the themes is Calvary Everywhere. Do you remember that? Please say yeah. Thank you. You made me feel so much better. Calvary Everywhere, which is God shifting the flow of the river. It's not about getting people to this building. It's about getting this church to the people. You are the church. 
changing the course of the river. And as we look into each of these Bible heroes in God's Hall of Fame, you're going to realize that all of their callings, all, of that, all that God used them to accomplish impact the lives of others more than themselves. Do you understand that? So if you want to be used of God, if you say God's got a call in your life, it's important you begin to understand the calling of God on your life is not just about you. It's not you feeling good about yourself, not you finding a life of purpose. It's about you fulfilling a mission from the mind of God to help humanity move towards the things of God. It's that simple. Your calling isn't about you. It's about the kingdom. Amen? And that's what we'll see in these stories, changing the course of that river. Finally, I hope that you see Jesus in all of these stories. Even though we're taking a deep dive into the Old Testament, do you know that the Old Testament is connected to the New Testament? The Old Testament speaks of Jesus. Come on now. We're not disengaging from Jesus for the next eight weeks. We're going to see Jesus in the Old Testament because it's really him. He's the word become flesh. He's in that Old Testament and he's in the New Testament. He is the word of God. John chapter 5, verse 39. Write it down. You search the scriptures. Jesus speaking, he says, you search the scriptures. He's talking about the written word which came before him the Old Testament, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Jesus is trying to tell the crowd in that day and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he's saying, you keep looking into the Old Testament trying to find life in that book, but those scriptures are talking to you about me, about Jesus. And so a lot of things are going to happen as we go through this series. You're going to get a Bible foundation of some of these original characters. You're going to learn how to apply that to your personal life so you don't read the Bible just like a history book. Come on now. You read it like God's promises to you and God's ways of operating with people of faith and how God, you're going to learn life application of those stories. And this is so healthy for us so that when you read your Bible, you know how to put yourself in there and not read it like something disconnected from you. It's you and Jesus and his journey with his people. And you're going to learn how to find Jesus in the Old Testament. Doesn't it sound like a great series? I'm even excited to hear this now. I got myself more worked up. I was excited before, but now I'm super excited to hear what God would have for us in this series. All right, let's jump into why the Hall of Fame. Why did we use that phrase, Hall of Fame? Open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's get into the New Testament. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, this is a chapter and a passage, a lengthy passage. Don't we love lengthy passages, church? <laughs> if you're new to Calvary, we will teach you how to use your Bible because that's the most important thing for us. Do you have your Bibles? Hold them up in the air. Go ahead and hold them up. Just a Bible check real quick or a cell phone or an iPad or something like that. Okay, good. Let's read this together. This is a chapter on heroes of faith. Okay. And we're going to look through chapter 11, verses 1 through 16 is where we'll stop. Faith shows, this is the new living for those of you wondering. Faith shows the reality of what we have hoped for. It is the evidence of things that we can't see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. God made everything out of nothing. That's awesome. It was by faith that Abel, that's an Old Testament character, it's one of Adam and Eve's sons, brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. That was Abel's brother. Abel, Abel's, offering, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gift. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us from example of faith. So even though these individuals are dead, their examples still speak to us. They're living and speaking to us today. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. That's pretty cool if you didn't know that happened. I get excited about these things because a lot of you have never read anything except Psalms and Proverbs in your Bible. You've never even heard the word Enoch before. There's a man there that God counted so faithful that he didn't even die. God just took him. It was like he's just walking with God and he just went, whoop. Isn't that cool? And there's some prophetic reasons for that, possibly in the book of Revelation. That's just to give you an appetizer, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Let's move on. <laughs> he disappeared because God took him. 
For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Write that down in your notes. It is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is a pleasing aroma to God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So two things you have to believe there. One, write it down. God is real. Two, he rewards those who seek him. If you come after him, there's a reward. He blesses you. Number, verse 7, it was by faith Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. It had never rained on the earth up to that point. And so God is telling Noah, which by the way, today our character of faith, our hero of faith will be Noah. We're going to come back to Noah. Noah built a boat in the middle of dry land and he was preaching to people that a flood and rainstorms were coming and it had never happened in the earth before. So for us to say rainstorms and all kinds of things, people have a point of reference. People didn't even know what that meant. Sometimes we don't realize what a great step of faith it was for some of these leaders. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another home, another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's a principle of faith that we've experienced in our own lives. Many of you have experienced in your life. What I'm saying is God doesn't stop doing these things. He tells some of us to pack up and get started and he'll give you the details along the way. That's why these stories are so important that God's not just making this stuff up. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did for one, he'll do for you. Maybe differently on how he does it, but the faithfulness will prove the same. Amen. Even when he reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith. See, once you, man, there's so many sermons in here. Sheesh, get on with it, Pastor Kevin. Even when you get to where God has called you, you don't lay your faith in the past thinking, I used my faith to get here. Now you gotta use your faith to build what God has told you to build in that land. Sometimes you think you graduate from using your faith, but you will always use your faith on this side of eternity. Come on. It's good preaching, Pastor Kevin. I know, I would have thought there'd been a whole lot more amens by this point. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So even though Abraham was looking for his promised land and what God was doing here, he knew that there was an eternal city that God was making. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to bear a child, that's Abraham's wife. Though she was barren, which means she couldn't have kids and she was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead and a nation with so many people that like the stars of the sky and the sands on the seashore, there was no way to count them. So Sarah and Abram, their bodies were past the age of childbearing, but yet God gave them a promise. And if in the natural it looks impossible, it doesn't matter because you have the promise. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them, which means that there was more to come. There were things that they did see come on this side, but there were things that would be fulfilled after their life was over and God would continue to do what he said. Some of you in this room, what God has promised you, you will see the seeds, you will see the sprouting, but the full harvest may come when you're in heaven and that's okay because you're alive forever and the fruit of what you've begun will outlive you. We should wanna live lives that are bigger than us, that last longer than us because we don't build our kingdom we're part of building his kingdom of which there will be no end. So even when you're off this planet, what you have started by faith will continue in the kingdom. Amen. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that, that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. I love that because this world is not our home. We're passing through this earth. Amen. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Can we just celebrate that and give God praise for that real quick? All right. Now jump to chapter 12, verse one and two, and I'll get into the teaching. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, who's that crowd of witnesses? It's these people of faith. Matter of fact, there's other stories, if you go through Hebrews 11 of Gideon and Rahab and some of these that even 
laid down their lives because of their faith. You'll see that through the rest of chapter 11. And here in chapter 12, it says, we are surrounded by this large crowd of witnesses. That's this hall of fame. That's this, this big gathering of heroes of faith, stories of the Bible, testimonies of real people. It says, then because of this, because we're surrounded by them, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has before us. God has set your feet on a journey now. We set your feet on a race now. They, they've finished their time on the earth. They're sitting in the stands. They're sitting in the crowd of heaven. And those champions of faith, they're now clapping for you because you're connected to something they started and they are championing you on saying, go run your race, go trust God. He'll be faithful to do what he said. And then one day you'll join that cloud of witnesses and we'll champion the next generation until the Lord comes in that hall of fame. Amen. I love this, verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Don't you love God's word? You have a life of purpose in front of you. You are called of God. I don't care if you're just into this planet, born fresh, you still have the new car smell, or if you have been here quite a long time and you have a tremendous amount of wisdom and maturity and you think you're just waiting to go to heaven, God today is sending me here to say, run your race. Be men and women of God. You are the men and women of God now. In that generation gone by, they were the men and women of God, but this generation has come into our hands for such a time as this. A hundred years from now, if Jesus tarries, a thousand years from now, if Jesus tarries, I pray that someone will read your stories and be encouraged by the faith you lived. Amen? Verse five and six in that passage says, God is pleased with faith. I wanna say this about the kind of faith it's speaking of. The kind of faith we see here is more than a one-time prayer of faith. It is a system of belief embedded deep within. It's a faith that they chose. It's a faith that they committed to. It's not a faith that's a feeling. Please write these things down. See, sometimes we can say, oh, I have faith, but we're basing it on do you feel like you have faith? You know, there's days I feel like I have faith there's days I don't feel anything at all. But yet you choose to obey God. You choose to trust God. You choose to do the next thing he told you to do, right? Even when it's not popular, even when you don't understand how the outcome is possible, you choose to do what God has said. This is not a feeling-based faith. Men and women of God throughout the Bible, they were not moved by what they see. They saw it like Abraham and Sarah saw that their bodies were as good as dead. They saw they were too old to have kids, but they encouraged themselves as they gave praise and honor to God, knowing that he was faithful to pro produce the promise that he made. So I wanna encourage you that when we talk about being champions of faith, these are people that got over their feelings. These are people that were not moved by what they saw or what they felt. It was also not just this one time like I'm a person of faith. Sometimes in our culture, our language changes and people say, do you have faith? And they think, am I a Christian or do I go to church? That's one way to say, okay, you're a person of faith. But these people of faith, it was not just an identity of the church they went to and that they were a Christian. These were people of faith because they believed God. Whatever God said. He said it, I believe it. That's a person of faith. That's a person of faith. But I feel this, doesn't matter. God said it, I still believe. But I was disappointed in the outcome. I prayed for someone and they didn't, I didn't see the healing on this side of eternity, but I still believe. It's a choice, it's a decision, it's deeply rooted and embedded them. Truthfully, it's this, it's this inner anchor that says no matter what, God, I trust you, God, I believe you. Amen. So again, this is not a series of Sunday school lessons. I wanna remind you, it's a series about you. It's a series about me. The Bible reveals God and it reveals us. I have a little mirror, just so you know what it is. I guess it's two-sided, so you would have known. Does anyone remember an old TV show where the teacher would get up with a mirror like this and she would look in the camera and say, I see you little kids at home. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> I'm looking at you, I see you. And as little kids were like, she sees me. Anyways. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 23 through 25. 
Listen to this. This is what I'm encouraging you to do about these Bible stories. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. Can you say, see myself? It goes, see myself. It's like, wait a minute, I thought we were seeing Noah. No, no, no. You see yourself. You can be confident in that, yeah. Let me try it again. We're just reading about Noah. Noah, we're seeing our self. Amen? Yes, we are learning about Noah, but there's something about us in that story. There's something about what we can glean, we can learn, how we can align. Because isn't that what you do with a mirror? You see yourself. You're not just looking at somebody else. You see yourself. God is saying, when you read the word, be a doer of it because God is showing you you, what you're capable of, what he's promised to do. You see yourself. And then if something's out of alignment in the mirror, then you just get it into alignment, amen? It's not guilt, it's not condemnation. It's just learning how to see yourself in the word and then aligning to what the word says, amen? The Bible says, glancing at your face in a mirror, you see yourself and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen. One more thought and then we'll get into Noah, ready? If you read through those stories of faith and you remember that God is pleased with faith, I want you to also put in the language of faith the word patience. Faith and patience go together. I think sometimes we just talk the faith language, but there's a patience part of faith. Patience oftentimes exposes our faith. Patience proves our faith. You don't earn it, but there is this understanding. When you go on a faith journey with God, that patience needs to be a part of that language. Sometimes people leap out there in faith, but if it doesn't happen in two weeks, they're off the rails. You understand what I'm saying? A faith journey, one of the ingredients in a faith journey is the ingredient of patience. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, 11 and 12. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I just wanna encourage you, my friend. Maybe you've been on a faith journey and you're like, Pastor Kevin, I've been on a faith journey for a year. <laughs> yeah. And it could be longer. Are you willing? Are you willing to stand? Are you willing to fight for it? God knows what he's doing and he knows what he said. And he's outside of time. He doesn't use our calendar. And he doesn't wear a watch. What kind of watch would he wear? Omega. Just kidding. Anyway, never mind. Sorry. Come on, guys. That was funny. You don't have to laugh at my jokes. The kids are always like, such a dad joke. I'm like, it's not a dad joke. It's just a joke. It's like you write it off. It's a dad joke. It's funny. It's not a dad joke. It's just a joke. Genesis chapter 6. Open your Bibles. Let's look at Noah now. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Genesis 6, verse 5, we're going to go to 22. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, and he put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky, and I am sorry I ever made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Verse 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living 
on earth at that time. Can you just say, wow? And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on the earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living things and creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. Verse 14, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior, make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle and upper. Say, Pastor Kevin, why are you taking so much time to read all these details about the boat? Because many of you have never seen this before that this boat was not just a boat, that God gave him specific dimensions, specific ways to build it. You know, when God talks to you about something, he can get very specific. We talk so general about the will of God and I heard God and there are times God is extremely specific. And we've got to get back into that specificity of God. And we have so many generalities. I feel God told me to do this and I feel this and this then go back to God and get some specifics too. Amen? Look, I am about to cover the earth with the flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on the earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, pairs of every kind of animal, pairs of every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground. Listen to this, unwind this, will come to you to be kept alive. God brought them to Noah. And be sure to take aboard, take on board enough food for you and your family for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. And then it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And the flood came and wiped out, wiped out the inhabitants of the earth, including the animals. And then after that, the Bible says that the boat came and rested on top of Mount Ararat. And no one and his family were saved. So let's learn some lessons here. Let's start talking a little bit about the story. Before I get into Noah himself, remember I said I want to point Jesus out in some of these stories? Let's look and see some types of Jesus in this story. What I love about the Old Testament and the New Testament, so many times you see types and shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament. You see the fulfillment of all of it in the New Testament. And so one way to look at the story of Noah to see kind of Jesus in there, God's heart for Jesus, God's systems and kind of way in thinking about Jesus in the future. God's way of escape, let's talk about the ark, write the ark down and put Jesus next to the ark. We're gonna talk about Jesus being the ark just for a second. God's way of escape from judgment because of mankind's sin, mankind's sin. So the ark was God's way of escape from judgment because of mankind's sin. Do you see the resemblance of Jesus in there? Our sins, the judgment that we deserve, we deserve to be wiped out, but yet God built an ark. He built a way of rescue. He built something to carry us above and over that judgment that we deserve, and his name is Jesus. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. God's way of escape. Number two, the ark, Jesus, the ark. There was one door on the ark to enter God's way of escape. Do you know that? Jesus talks about himself being the gate, the door. No one gets to the Father except through him. God didn't make a way for all these people and animals to get in any old way they wanted on that way of escape, that boat of salvation. There's one door, there's one mediator between God and man, and it is Jesus Christ. He is the door, he is the way, amen. You see Jesus in that door. You see that God drew all the animals to the door, to the ark. And you know what? You can't come to the Father unless he draws you but the Holy Spirit is drawing you, amen? And he's just calling out to all of us and he's drawing us to himself. And God is 
is the one bringing us to Jesus. I love that. God is drawing people to himself. Another illustration with the ark and Jesus, the Bible says God closed the door. You know, there is an appointed time where that door of salvation, which is now open, will be closed. And we don't talk about that a lot anymore in this generation. We talk so much about grace and, and this, praise God for grace. But you know what? There will come a point where that door is closed and God himself will say, it's finished, it's done. The story on this planet is finished. And so today, if you hear the Lord calling out to you, today, if you sense his spirit drawing you, get on the boat, get on the boat, amen. Go through the door, Jesus. Another thought that points to Jesus is all who are on the ark were saved from the judgment of God. I want you to see that. There, God made a way of escape through the ark, but if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has not appointed you unto wrath. Or do you hear that? Jesus said that you will never be condemned for your sins if you've received him as your personal Lord and Savior. Why? He took all the judgment on himself. There's no more judgment left for you if you receive him as your sacrifice, as your, your offering to God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So you can be confident once you're in that boat that there's no more judgment from God upon you. Do you see that? Be at peace. Be at peace. You're on the boat. I love that. And this is just a little, I think, wink of God in the Bible. Some people are into like numbers and dates and all that stuff. I know that some of these things are speculative. We weren't there, but some of these things kind of also are cool to follow. There are a lot of theologians that believe that the ark rested on Mount Ararat, which is the other side of judgment, right? The same day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And if you look at the Jewish calendars, there's like the month of Nisan, which is also the month of Aviv, 17 and that those two dates are celebrated and the same. So if Jesus is the ark that has now made it through the judgment and rested on a mountain, amen, when Jesus was resurrected, he helped all of us pass through all the judgment and it's the same day on that calendar. I just think that's super cool. You say, Pastor Kevin, is that true? There's a lot of people that believe it's true. There's others that don't, but it's, if, you, if it blesses you, great. Interesting thing about that Nisan and Aviv 17, that is also the day they celebrate that Israel made it through the Red Sea, right? Out the other side, which Egypt and all of those that were coming after them were defeated. Jesus came out of the tomb. All of the enemy's weapons formed against you have now been defeated. It's the same day, Aviv 17. Isn't that cool? Oh, and there's one more that I thought was cool. There's two more, but I'm not super confident on the other one, but the one other one I saw, that's pretty cool. And that's Esther, when Haman came after God's people to kill and wipe out all of God's people, the day they conquered or defeated Haman in the book of Esther is also Aviv 17. Again, the enemies came after God's called people. God brought them out. God rescued them. Amen. Jesus rescued us. I'm telling you, Jesus is everywhere throughout the Bible. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the designer of the whole thing. Isn't that cool? Say, Pastor Kevin, I don't believe you. It's fine. It doesn't change anything else. But if you want to look into it, you can. There's some interesting studies there. All right. Now let's look at Noah. Last few moments we have together. Let's look at Noah himself. Ready? People who are called of God, hear from God. God put you on a faith journey. Here are some principles to see in Noah, to see in a person on a faith journey, and to see in your own life. Number one, his belief in God was not dependent on others. Can we say that about ourselves? God spoke something to him, and no one in the world believed him. Not his close family, not his neighbors. There was no one celebrating him saying, wow, you had a word from God. Isn't that lovely? There wasn't a support structure of Christian community. There was no worship music to play. There was no like encouraging books or podcasts to listen to. Are you listening to me? Noah is on his own and God spoke to him and said, build an ark. 
His belief in God and what God said was not dependent on others, his family, or even the culture. For some of you, your family is your biggest peer pressure, but in this generation, culture has become a massive peer pressure because people want to be culture creators and culture followers. And, and the, the, one of the worst things is for a young person to feel like they're on the outs and they don't, they're not, they don't fit into the culture. But if you're going to be a man or woman of faith, you have to believe God and family sometimes aren't going to, may not encourage you because they don't know God or they don't see what you see. No, I'm not saying, no, anyway. Even Jesus said, you know, that there would come a day where, you know, by receiving Jesus, your family may not agree. And some people are gonna be rejected by their family because of their faith in Christ. And sometimes we give our family so much voice into our lives, we have to be able to discern. If God said it and the word of God confirms it, there will be times your family may not celebrate it. But then culture, culture. You know what culture is? Culture is not just a feeling, culture is the media. What if the media attacks you? What if social media attacks you? <laughs> but you, for some of us, I'm, I'm talking to our younger generation right now, because some of us older generation, we're like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with some of those. <laughs> social media, <laughs> no need you. But for some of our young people right now, high school, listen to me, social media for you is every bit as a big deal as some of these like bullies were when we were in school, we faced them face to face. And you're going to have to be strong enough to resist that because God has called you from a young age. You know, God called David from a young age. God is calling many of you from a young age and you're going to have to be able to resist the temptation to need the approval of culture. Amen? His belief was not dependent on others. Number two, his obedience was not conditional on time or even the proof of the outcome. Do you hear that? His obedience was not conditional on a limit of time on proof of the outcome. God spoke to Noah. And he told him in the story, he said, I will only strive with man, I will not strive with man any longer than 120 years. Okay? So in that context, many theologians believe it was 120 years later that the flood came. Listen to that, would you? So it took him 120 years to build the boat. There's a good chance there's only him and his sons and his, maybe his daughter-in-law is building this giant boat. They didn't have like machinery. So, I mean, it takes a long time to build a boat like that, right? Especially no one, no one so supports it, no one's celebrating it. Put yourself in the story just for a minute, would you? God spoke to him. 120 years. 120 years of what? 120 years of no rain. So there's no evidence that this is going to happen. There's no record of God speaking to him a second time. I mean, don't you think after 75 years, an extra word of prophecy would be appreciated? <laughs> I mean, anything. Remember what I said? God spoke to you about a faith journey, and you're like, God, Kevin, I've been on it for a year. What do you think Noah in the stands is saying? A year? Like 12 months a year? It was 120 years from when God said it, and he daily did what he was called to do and obeyed God, God didn't, he didn't know it was 120 years. He, God gave him this word that he wouldn't strive with man for more than 120 years, but it wasn't like Noah had a clock on his, he knew what God was gonna do in that moment. So he didn't know, he knew he had to get the boat finished, he knew what he had to do, he had to obey God. He had some signs with the animals starting to come and all that, but he didn't have a specific date on the end. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He didn't have a specific date saying, God, I will obey you this long, or God, I know exactly what rain is. He had the same questions other people did. 
Do you only think maybe he's building this boat and everyone's mocking him and everyone's ridiculing him because the world is full of rebellion right now. The world is full of sin and wickedness right now. This is not a culture that's applauding people obeying God. So if you're looking to other people to give you encouragement to obey God, if you're looking for other people to give you confidence to stand strong, you're going to have to learn how to find that in you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his word. You're going to have to learn how to do that. Now, praise God, we don't live in that generation. You do have Christian brothers and sisters. You do have examples of other people who can encourage you and say, hey, I've been right where you are. And it's hard, but I'm trying to tell you that these individuals didn't even have that. I guarantee you there's times Noah's thinking he's crazy. He doesn't need everyone else telling him he's crazy. I'm sure his own head did a good job saying, Noah, you're crazy. If you've ever done any big faith journey with God, there are times you're in the middle of it and you think to yourself, did I hear this right? Is there going to be a storm? Is there going to be a flood? Or am I going to be left with this giant boat and look foolish? But that's part of heroes of faith, not conditional on time or proof of the final outcome. Another thought about Noah, it wasn't the great act of faith in building the ark that made him who it was, who he was. It was because of who he was that God chose him to build the ark. See, we celebrate Noah building the ark, but God knew he could trust Noah with the ark because of the way Noah lived before he asked him to build the ark. Sometimes we want God to ask us to do something great, but we're not living for him on a daily basis a trustworthy life, a life that God can say, that's someone that I can give a mighty task to because they have proven themselves faithful in the little things and now I can ask him to do something greater. Noah comes on the scene for us when he builds the ark, but he was on God's radar his life through. Are you hearing this? Why did God give Noah this journey of faith to build the ark? He gave him the journey of faith to build the ark so that over that 120 years, people could hear the story that Noah would tell them about a flood coming, about God's judgment coming, and about this boat to rescue. If anyone would have turned their heart and repented, I believe God would have led them on the ark, but they didn't. And I also believe God probably knew that too. The boat was a symbol, a sign, a season for people to see, to hear, and to be saved. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Second Peter 2, 5. God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment so God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. God gets glory from the result of faith, both in the process of faith and the manifestation of that faith journey. Listen to what I just said, because there was two things going on during Noah's faith journey. One, he was in the process of building and proving something over a long time. And then there was the manifestation of that promise. Did you follow me? When you were on a faith journey with God, God is getting glory and doing a lot of preaching during your journey of faith, not just during the manifestation of the promise. I'm gonna say it again. During your faith journey, whatever God asked you to do, it could take one year, two, five, 10. Do not think those years are wasted. God is preaching and declaring and ministering and testifying to hundreds and dozens and even maybe thousands of people, multiple stories and truths and opportunities. He's doing much more than just building a boat. Yes, the day the manifestation of the promise comes to pass, the day the boat was done and it was ready to be used, that was something that God had said. It was the fulfillment of a prophecy, of a promise. But all this 120 years before, there was nothing wasted in that time. Isn't that good? 
So even though you might be waiting for the manifestation of a promise, don't discredit every day between here and there. Amen. So final questions. Remember what I said, heroes of faith, their lives impacted others. Noah's choice to obey God, to resist the temptation, to be bullied by a culture or even family or whatever, impacted and rescued others. Your journey of faith that God is asking you to do is bigger than you, bigger than you. Your choices of holiness and righteousness and coming away from the crowd and the culture, it's all for a greater purpose. And if we're going to be the church of God, if we're going to be his church in this last generation, we have to change the direction of the river and stop just having our eyes on our happiness, our safety, and how to help others and rescue others and impact the lives of others. Amen. Remember in the teaching of the Hall of Fame, it's not all about you. But also remember, we're not just learning about them, we're learning about us. I ask these questions, how is my obedience? How was your obedience today? What's the last thing God asked you to do? If you can't be trusted with little, he's not gonna be able to trust you with more. What's the last thing God asked you to do? Next question I ask myself after hearing a sermon like this, can I believe for a hundred years if necessary? Can I believe for a hundred years if necessary? There are promises that Maria and I are still believing for after 17 years and we're still believing and we're still going to the word for encouragement and we're still looking towards the promise. I'm not trying to applaud us. I'm just saying that there are journeys of faith that happen in a year, maybe six months, but there are journeys of faith that may take decades. Are you willing to walk with God and obey him and do what he said for decades? We don't teach decade-long faith anymore. It's like quick and now and you pay your tithe and tomorrow you're a millionaire. If that was true, everybody would pay their tithe. <laughs> Come on now. But sometimes you just give God your tithe as blessing and honor and he just takes care. You look back over 50 years and you see how he's provided and taken care of you. Are you understanding this? It's not all about quick fixes and quick solutions. You've got to be long-term people, long-term people. Can I believe God for a hundred years for some of your lost loved ones or, or maybe the ministry that God has been birthing inside of you? Maybe you don't go worldwide the first year, but you keep going, amen. And last question I ask myself through a message like this, are others' opinions more important than God's? Are others' opinions more important than God? Final quote, write this down. Men and women of faith are made over time, not overnight. Men and women of faith are made over time, not overnight. That testing, that proving, that persecution, that overcoming, these are the heroes of faith. And I say it over you again, you are this generation's heroes of faith in the making. Amen. We are carrying the vision of God for this generation. It has come to us. Let it, let's be good stewards of it. Amen. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. Did you get anything out of that today? Can you celebrate God's word this morning? Amen. Let me pray over you, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Put your hands over your heart, and let's pray about these callings of God in our lives. Heavenly Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you. For these heroes of faith, I thank you for these stories from the Old Testament. We learned so much about you, we learned so much about them, and we learned so much about ourselves. God, I ask today that you teach us, encourage us, motivate us, inspire us, God, to be champions of faith for our children, for our grandchildren, for our neighbors, for this generation, that we are not shallow, deep Christians. We're not wishy-washy Christians. We're a part of a mighty kingdom and a mighty legacy. And God, we get to carry it. So Lord, I pray you would continue to speak very clearly into our hearts what you're calling each and every one of us to do personally, to live a life of impact into others' world and to be a salt and to be light, to be a blessing and to be a preacher of your good news. God, may it be clear and give us encouragement even while we wait with faith and patience, I pray, through faith and patience. I bless this house. 
I bless those watching on the internet. I thank you that these have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. They are solutions to problems in this world. Lord, they are your hands extended. They are your body. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for what you do through them. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just celebrate the Lord for that and the call of God on your life and him being faithful. Amen. Let me do this. If you'll all give me a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Remember the door of the ark? Remember the ark? This is your opportunity for God to draw you to himself and to bring you into that place of salvation. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every one of us requires forgiveness. We all need a savior. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says, which is separation from God. It's even hell. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And then finally, the Bible tells us how. All who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then call on him today and he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll save you. He'll fill you. You might say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we'll pray for you. You can do that today. Or you say, I used to have a strong relationship with God or even a wishy-washy one, but I just kind of walked away at some point, and I would like to have a restart with Jesus. When I count to three, you can raise your hand too, and we'll pray for all of you to call on the name of the Lord to save you. Would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds? Again, this is between you and God. If you would like to pray with me to give your life to Jesus for forgiveness of sins and to restore your relationship with God, or if you want to restart with Jesus today, when I count to three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand, and we'll pray for you right where you are today. Put your hand up, and we'll pray for you. There's two hands up front. Wonderful. Thank you. Three, four in the back. Five right there. Anybody else? Put it up high so I can see it. Six. Seven, eight, nine. Yes. Put it up. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Ten. Back there. I think I got those. Ten. Even if I don't see it, how many know the Lord sees it, right? Would you go ahead and pray? All of us together want to pray with you, but pray this prayer after me. Just open up your heart and be honest with the Lord. Repeat this with me, would you please? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those 10? Welcome home. Congratulations. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless.